0: You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and while the Aggies did not play this past weekend... Oh, what a weekend it was to be a Texas A&M fan or to cover the team because two massive things happened, one helping the Aggies and one actually probably caused by the Aggies. Plus, as always, there's been conversations of Ohio State versus Texas A&M getting into the college football playoff. Let's go discuss all that because there's a reporter out there literally finding ways to belittle the Aggies into missing out. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by BuiltBar.com, where a protein bar meets a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're listening to the podcast here on social media by following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, give me a follow and I will make sure to add it into the mix. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Florida. God. What a day for Florida. I mean, if you're an AM fan, you're freaking the hell out. For starters, you are loving the fact that Florida is getting exposed for who they've been all season. A one-dimensional team on offense that cannot find ways to score defensively and allows way too many big-time plays downfield that keep teams involved in it. And whether you think LSU is a bad team or a team that just needs to have some momentum, that's fine. But on Saturday night, they exposed the Gators for exactly what they are. One-dimensional and not a college football playoff contender. Getting that big-time victory in the Swamp because of one play. Because of the shoe that will be enshrined in Baton Rouge forever. Because Marco Wilson, on a three and out, threw a shoe. On sportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty, first down. Let the Tigers keep going. 56-yard field goal from Cade York. Middle of nowhere, couldn't see anything. That mustard cloud of a sky that made everything. Everything looked impossible. I don't even know if the refs saw it at first. They had to go maybe going through the replay. Field goal good, giving them the 37-34 victory. Ed Orgeron saves the team from at least being mediocre. And what I mean mediocre is below five hundred after winning the college football playoff. With that victory, they will finish the year off with a shot to be at least five and five. Uh, with a game against Ole Miss this upcoming weekend. And I do believe they can beat Ole Miss if they play the way that they played against Florida. Because just like Florida, LSU, I mean uh, Ole Miss, has a terrible defense. The offense can score a lot of points, but the defense can't do a dang thing about it. They get that win that was supposed to come earlier in the season, but it knocks Florida out of the college football playoff conversation. That is the biggest takeaway from this. If there is a second team that will get into the college football playoff game this year it will not be the sec champions it will be either texas a&m and alabama or just alabama there is always though a downside when this happens and this is what we're here to talk about today in a way fans probably wanted florida to win because of even though that win now over lsu looks better because of 20 to 7 And you look at Florida's defense, that's the problem. Therein lies the problem. Florida's win, when they were a top five team, number three in the nation, the biggest win of Jimbo Fisher's career at College Station, now loses a little bit of steam, a little bit of the pizzazz, a little bit of what you wanted. Not for any other reason than the sheer fact of, let's just look at the table. You have one loss where you lost by three scores to Alabama, every other game you've played close, and even though you got a big time win over the team that is going to the SEC Championship to face off against the Crimson Tide, it it still is just a bad loss. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. I think that if Florida were to win and they get killed by three touchdowns by uh Alabama. Well, at least then there can be an argument made. Okay. Two losses on the year, both them lost by you know over 20 points. Yeah, we can give it to A&M. Now it's okay. Well, A&M did lose by this many. Florida lost by this many. But A&M's win over LSU is a lot stronger now than it was a couple days ago. Everything that it really comes down to is kind of just voting in general. And when you look at the voting processes through, you know, the SEC, through the College Football Playoff Committee, it's very clear that offense will always be successful. So what I mean by that is when you score a lot of points, it looks better on the resume. The problem is that you also have to hold opponents to less points. And in most significant wins this year, or most significant games for the Aggies this year, you had 38 scored against your defense by Florida. High-tempo offense, very good offense. You had over 50 scored by Alabama, another high-tempo offense. And LSU got a touchdown late, but you didn't put up the offensive numbers to match that production. Those were the three most important games of the year. Auburn would probably be fourth, and Auburn was the most clear-cut, this is what A&M is kind of team. When we're playing sound defense, we will give up points, but we can contain big offenses, no tempo, fast pedal, fast motion, what Gus Malzahn has always done. We can hold them to behind us. When the offense is clicking, we can find ways to be successful in the red zone. We can find ways to be successful in the middle of the field. We can have player playmakers deep downfield. We keep drives alive. We win time in possession. We continue to build this. And they didn't win time in possession in that game. They just did more with less than Bo Nix did with more time. That's the most clear-cut way to describe AM. but AM now needs to make sure that this upcoming weekend when they face off against Tennessee, they're going to finish 8-1, I think. I have no doubt in my mind that they will finish 8-1 on the year, and that's a good sign. That's exactly what I think boosters want to see, but you also have to see them put the foot on the gas pedal, not just for them, not just for the boosters, not just for anybody out there, because the New Year's Six Bowl is happening. The Aggies will at least be represented somewhere, whether that be in uh Glendale, whether that be at one of the at large bids, whether that be, you know, where the SEC plays, whether that be in Miami, they'll be represented in the New Year's Six Bowls. But at least if AM can put up a beatdown against the Volunteers, it shows that the team is in the right direction. They're so close to getting to that college football conversation, and they're so close to being up there with the likes of Alabama. Florida is losing Kyle Trask, they're losing Kyle Pitts, they're going to lose Kadavius Tony, they're losing a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And that defense, even though it is losing some talent, is returning most of their starters, which is not a good sign. Georgia had a down year, but maybe they would have been in the conversation that they would have started JT Daniels at the start of the year. You have no idea what LSU is going to be. We have no idea what Auburn's going to be, because of what A&M did to them. And Alabama's still Alabama. Is Bryce Young the future? I don't know, but what I do know is A and M has the pieces offensively and defensively to replace guys like Kellen Mond, guys like Buddy Johnson, guys like Miles Jones, guys like uh, Tyree, jo- you know Tyree Johnson. Like all those guys can be replaced. Now you got to have a monumental game. Start showing that with the younger talent in the second half against Tennessee. Put your foot on the pedal. Don't let go, Jimbo. Do not let go. You cannot afford to have this game fall in favor anywhere possible of Jeremy Pruitt and this volunteer offense. One of the best gifts you can give your loved ones this season is relaxation. Now, everyone has their own therapeutic style of relaxing, but I know me and a lot of other people when they're always on the go, 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 just want to sit back, crack open a nice cold beer, and enjoy a football game. That's why I recommend you should always grab the beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sporting event is on this fall for Texas A&M, they are the official beer of watching Texas A&M sports because they're cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold press made by the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Literally, the beer is made to chill. Watching football is therapeutic for a fan because it gives them nice me time and relaxation. I know when I see those blue mountains, it's going to tell me that my beer is going to be as cold as the Rockies themselves, and I am going to be in for a delicious treat every single time I take a sip. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind, so you should too, because it's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new delivery straight to your door system at get.coorslight.com, and always remember, celebrate responsibly on Aggies presented by the Lock On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A and Guys, let me get your opinion on something. You love quality podcasts, running your favorite sports teams. If so, why not listen to a Lock On podcast? I usually say let's listen to all these other podcasts, but let's just talk about this for a second. There's over two dozen college sports shows, with college basketball coming back into the mix, and more importantly, on top of that, the college football playoff around. There's so many different storylines to follow from the Pac-12, SEC, ACC. Big 10, and of course, Big 12, plus our national shows that we have on every single day. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On College podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it this morning. A lot of people are going to definitely say, oh, well, they were already going to do it. They were already going to do it. They might have. They really might have. But after that game in the Plains of Auburn last weekend, I had an interview with Zach Blackerby from Lockdown Auburn earlier that week, and it looked like the writing was on the wall for Gus Malzahn. But he said if he gets the win over A&M and he gets the win over uh, over Mississippi State, well, they'll finish 7-3 and three on the year, and they'll have a down year, but they'll at least be 7-3. and three. Well, they didn't get the win over A&M. Uh, 31-20 was final score. Big, big win for the Aggies. This was the game that I was afraid of at the very start of the season. They get that win. They beat Mississippi State. Close game, though. 24-17. They beat Mississippi State. Gus Malzahn walks into the locker room. He's dancing. The players are happy. Everyone else is happy. 14 hours later, he's out of a job. According to reports, Auburn has fired Gus Malzahn after eight years. A two-time trip to the... Um, To the SEC championship game. One time SEC winner. A trip to the national title game. um, Multiple trips. I think it was multiple trips now. To the uh, New Year's 6 bowl games. Consistently was able to keep up with Nick Saban. Gone. Gone. He's not gone because of the Iron Bowl. He's gone because of Texas A&M. And I 100% believe that. Here's why. Because Texas A&M is a team that is in Texas, an area that Malzahn has been recruiting heavily in because of his Texas roots for years. He's starting to lose that battle in the SEC. Texas is starting to lose that battle to A&M. It used to be for a long time. Are you going to go play at Texas A&M? Are you going to go play at UT? Where are you going? That was the conversation. And then the SEC started plucking their way in because of, you know, they had A&M joined the conference in 2012 and it was like, "Oh, okay. Well, we like this five-star. We like this five-star. We like this five-star." And Alabama was taking players away from A&M. And Auburn was taking players away from A&M, and Florida was taking players away from A&M, and Georgia was taking players away from A&M. But Auburn because of Gus Malzahn always I felt had somewhat of a slight edge in different parts of the Lone Star State. He doesn't have that anymore. Jimbo Fisher has that. Jimbo Fisher is showing you have to now win your state in Alabama to beat the Crimson Tide, and you have to somehow stop stealing recruits from me because I'm going to get my guys. And I think ultimately that's what the storyline was all about. You saw what exactly went down. A&M won that game. With a lot of homegrown players, a lot of players that people thought were going to go to Auburn or go to Alabama, they didn't. Gus Malzahn was consistent at being able to keep up with Nick Saban, which again in the SEC, and I've talked about this so many times. Yeah, good for you. You know, everyone is going to be second fiddle to Nick Saban, and you look at all of the you know the the assistants that have worked under Saban. At the start of this year, I believe it was six in the SEC. Now it's five. It could be seven It could be seven by the time it's over, depending on who gets the job at Vanderbilt, depending on who gets the job at Auburn. But I'm telling you this right now. Until Saban's gone, stop comparing yourself to Saban. And I don't think Auburn did fire him for that reason. I do not think Malzahn was fired because he couldn't always beat Nick Saban. I think it was because if he was starting to lose in recruiting, he was starting to lose his state, the state where he came from, and he was able to pluck talent away from the Longhorns and the Aggies for years. And on top of all that, he also was not getting over that hump. Auburn has proven at times you can win with less talent. They've beaten Alabama with less talent. They've beaten AM with less talent. AM has had some of the better recruiting classes under Kevin Sumlin, who, by the way, also was fired from Arizona this weekend. So dot, bullet dodge there by the Aggies for sure but he's found ways to win at so many different areas. And he's found ways to win with less talent. So Auburn can win and be effective in the SEC. And I think right now, if we're talking consistently, they are the one team that can win in the SEC West against Alabama. I mean, you go down the list for years... It was Alabama-Auburn, 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 and one time you saw LSU in the SEC Championship game. The Yellowhammer State represented everything about the SEC West. A&M came knocking on that door. A&M knocked it down. A&M is the reason Gus Malzahn does not have a job today. He needed to win that game in the Plains at jordan Hare, And instead, poor play calling, poor execution, Made him lose that job. The Aggies now have gotten two coaches fired in less than a two-month period. Will Muschamp was let go because he could not get over that rivalry game. A lot more reasons too, but that was a big one. And more importantly, they got Gus Malzahn fired. That helps them out in the SEC West immensely as, in my opinion, the next best team consistently in the conference now the question is who's going to get hired as the head coach i'm gonna go through my quick top three names in just a quick moment but make sure you listen to tomorrow's show on locked on aggies when it's time for coaches talk we will be talking with jimbo fisher as he describes what the final process in the last week of college football looks like what are the plans moving forward into the college ball playoff? And how do you prepare for the likes of Tennessee? Make sure you listen wherever you get your devices right here to listen to your podcasting. The holiday season is right around the corner. And whether you'd like to admit it or not, you're going to be having some delicious food with the family around Christmas dinner. But don't give that to be an excuse to stop maintaining your weight and having a delicious treat that will help meet your nutritious needs. That's why I recommend Bill Barb. Bill Bar has the 12 original flavors, coconut almond, German chocolate cake, banana nut bread, mint brownie, but with six new flavors including cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, there's a new flavor every single day. These are more like candy bars than they are protein bars because they're covered in 100% soft chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew with the nougat center. Built Bars are great for the health conscious guy because they can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious and nutritious treat because the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for someone on the keto diet. One of my favorite things to have is the Coconut Almond Bar, and it has 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Trust me, you're not going to find a product like this anywhere else on the shelf. And when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED ON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Make sure you enjoy a delicious treat every single day, starting your day off right with Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you listen to the podcast every single day on iTunes, Spotify, and LockedOnPodcast.com. And if you're a fan of sports, it probably means you're a fan of basketball. And the NBA season is right around the corner, so NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA Podcast is getting ready to start the regular season with a special week of team preview podcast all weeks, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy basketball expert and rookies to watch draft expert Chad Ford. I'll be tuning in and to watch my market for the Houston Rockets, make sure you subscribe on Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcast. So, guys, was fired this weekend. I believe it was because of AM. I also believe AM got Will Muschamp fired. We already know that Frank Beamer is taking over at South Carolina for the Gamecocks moving forward. Who should be the next head coach at the Plains of Auburn? Let's get my top three picks. Number three, Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offense coordinator. If you can't beat Nick Saban, Go get Nick Saban. And it's very clear from people that I've spoken to this past weekend. I was just up in Tuscaloosa over the weekend watched my brother graduate college. Talked to a couple boosters that I know. Sark is being looked at as potentially the next Nick Saban. Now Nick Saban could be there for another five years. Nick Saban could be there for another year. Nobody knows. Nick Saban will decide when Nick Saban wants to retire. But a lot of people like Sarkisian. They like what he's done. You cannot lose to Sark. Every single year. And Sarkeesian had his moment to show, I am ready to become a head coach, and I'm ready to become a head coach at a Power 5 program. A dominant one. Because he was able to go out and he was able to beat Auburn with Nick Saban on the COVID-19 list, unable to coach that game. So you look at this. What happens if Nick Saban wants to stay around for six more years? Is Sark going to wait six years? No, probably not. But he will always want to come back, I think, to coach there. So guess what? Make him an offer he can't refuse by bringing him to the rival and making sure that he starts winning there so that way he can be he cannot bring in the next Alabama head coach. The one thing that everyone said was Dawal Sweeney was going to be lined up as the next Alabama head coach. And then Clemson started to win. And win. And win so much that Clemson is now their own dynasty alongside Alabama. And because of Sweeney's dynasty, he's not going to leave it to go to another one. One that could take at least two or three years to rebuild and bring back to relevancy after Saban retires. Sarkeesian will have that time. Go get him at Auburn. Do it that way. Number two for me, I'm going to go Lane Kiffin. Listen, again, if you want to go beat Saban, get a guy who's worked with him. Get a guy who knows it. Get a guy who understands the system. That would be the guy I think is next in line. What he's done for Ole Miss this season has definitely proven that Ole Miss can be effective. That passing matters, and if you get the right defense coordinator involved, like a guy like Kevin Steele, who could be in the running for the actual Alabama—I mean, the Auburn head coaching job in general—defense wins, offense wins, offense though keeps you going. I also think that this would be a great thing for A&M because A&M would be able to really dissect from what Jimbo Fisher learned under Saban versus what Lane Kiffin learned under Saban. And the two kind of meet in the middle when you watch Saban coaching today. I think that'd be very essential because those games matter so much more than Ole Miss game. But number one, this is the clear-cut winner, and I think everyone knows this, and I do think that he held out of South Carolina because if he wanted this job, and it's Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze has transformed Liberty into a power program. He's done it in the last two years, and more on top of that, he's done it at Ole Miss. He took Ole Miss to -to back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl games, one-on-one in them, and always played consistent football in the SEC West. And he did it with rosters a lot less talented than anyone else had. He did it with rosters that maybe featured a guy like Laramie Tunsil and Robert Kimdichie, the number one overall recruit. But you look at that overall class, I mean, uh, I always forget the guy's name. Open Conmoye was your second wide receiver next to Laquan Treadwell, who never made anything of himself in the NFL. You had Chad Kelly as your quarterback. You had Bo Wallace as your quarterback for a while, and you were able to do something that Auburn wants on top of just being good in the SEC West. You beat Nick Saban. You beat him at home, and you beat him in Bryant Denny. Few people... Beat Nick Saban in Bryant Denny Stadium. Unless Jeremy Pruitt is fired by Tennessee, which I don't see happening this year, I just don't. Unless he's fired by Tennessee, I think that this is exactly where Hugh Freeze wants to land up. Freeze has so many ties to Tennessee because he grew, uh, because you know he started his coaching career uh, down in down the Memphis area, so he knows that area very well. But Freeze, I think has been around the SEC for so long, he knows how coveted of a job Auburn is. I brought this up multiple times in the podcast. I think Auburn is a fringe Tier 2, Tier 3 school. I think with Malzahn, at one point, they were 100% leaders of the pack Tier 2 towards the back end of, of his tenure. They were year th- they were kind of almost a Tier 3. I think Freeze can bring them into a Tier 2 level. Last thing I want to talk about before we go. Anyone who knows... Social media understands that social media is a crazy tool that people are just belittling people, love to make people feel bad about themselves. They always go after people on social media. And that's fine. And I have no problem with going after somebody. But you want to get the bull? You're going to get the horns. And Ari Wasserman from The Athletic learned that this past weekend. If you go on to Ari Wasserman's page, by the way, I have a lot of respect for Ari. I think that he is a fantastic journalist. He's done a great job covering Ohio State for years. But his comment was... Anyone who thinks Texas A&M is going to the college football playoff is delusional. Or they're Johnny Manziel. Yes, but that doesn't mean they're not deserving. And that's where Ari doubled down and said they're not. And if you go on there and look at that tweet, you will see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of A&M fans going after him. Here's all I will say. A&M took a hit this weekend in strength of schedule because of Florida loss to LSU. They went up in the rankings for the SEC, having representatives of two teams in the conference for the college football playoff. They went down in strength of schedule. Unless Ohio State, I mean, they got a blow. And I mean, Blow Northwestern out of the water. Not this thirty-five to you know ten. I'm talking seventy to seven. I'm talking what Arizona State did to Arizona. That type of game. You are not deserving of the college football playoff. And at this point, I'm not here to say that you know A&M is because A&M did have a loss by three touchdowns. To a team that 100% is going to the college football playoff. You had your moment to dominate every single team you faced this year. And you let Indiana hang with you so late that actually it felt like uh, Indiana won that game. Yeah, Indiana lost, but we just played the second half. You don't win. You lose by four touchdowns. A&M has had one game like that. And it was against Alabama. At this point, I would say USC deserves it more than you. And USC has gone down to the wire the last three out of their five games. I mean, three out of their five games. They have had to battle it out with UCLA, with Arizona, and with Arizona State to claim a title. They're going to win the Pac 12. And you know what? I'd be okay if they go to the Rose Bowl. I don't really care. Yeah. You need to have a Pac-12 winner. They're undefeated. It's deserving. But at that point, they're more deserving because at least then it shows how much competition is there in the Pac-12 or how little competition is there. But if Ohio State does not get a blowout win against Northwestern, and I mean a significant blowout win, no turnovers by Justin Fields, the defense causes you know uh, Peyton Ramsey to throw four or five interceptions, do whatever you got to do because this Northwestern offense is not good. Defense is very sound that's what you get when you have Pat Fitzgerald as your, defense, as your you know head coach. If you don't get that big of a win, AM is 100% deserving of being in the college football playoff over you for strength of schedule number one and more games number two. That's good over for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're listening to the podcast every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com and also subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, while also following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow show, for Fisher, we'll be talking about up until the end of the season. One more week of college football before we decide what is going to happen. Moving into the second half, we'll see you then. And remember, here and y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.